Good evening. Today is Monday, April 24th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's step is step nine, and our speaker tonight is Lane. Thanks so much, Lane, and I'll toss it over to you. Hi, everyone. Um, thanks for having me. My name is Lane, and I am a compulsive eater and a restrictor. And I am excited to talk about step nine. <laughs> it's a big one. And I read back over this big book, step nine, text before the meeting. Um, and the first thing I noticed was just the first line in the big book, which is, now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. Um, and I think we'll see how this share plays out. Never, never know once I get talking, but I think that one of the things I'm going to talk about tonight is living out step nine and having, even though this is not a share on step 10 um, and step 10 includes continued amends and continued inventory, even though it's not a share on that. I think I'm going to share a little bit about imperfection in step nine and doing step nine the way you're going to continue to live step nine. We'll see. So that first line about more action um, really stuck out to me. So first, um, I'm just going to qualify a little bit about some of my experience with this disease and it actually, this particular thing I want to share about relates to an amend that I ended up making. Also, can you hear me okay? Can, I assume someone will let me know if you can't hear me okay. I had to call in on my phone because my internet we, connection is body. We can hear you loud and clear. Your video is a little laggy, but the audio seems good. Okay, great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So I um, really, this disease really came to me in a big way relatively late in life. Um, I was after I graduated college. I had, had definitely looking back had the beginnings of this diseased thinking. I had the diseased thinking much earlier in my life, but it didn't really translate into a disease with diseased actions until later. Um, when I graduated college and I was in a foreign country and I was very alone and I used to, I used to tell this story one way and now I tell it a little bit of a different way um, because I thought for a long time that the beginning of my disease was binge eating and I've been in program now. I've been um, abstinent now for over three years, but it was only in the last six months that I realized that my disease didn't start with binging, it started with restricting. Um, that was a pretty recent development. And so the way that I understand this part of my story now is I was living in a foreign country and I felt deeply, deeply misunderstood by the people around me. Um, and I also, felt constant pressure to eat more 
And I kind of reacted against that to eat less. And it was a way of controlling and winning in this dynamic. I was living with um, a host family in a rural area and they were incredibly kind to me. They, they loved me. They wanted to pamper me, um, which was part of the problem for me. I just felt so distant and misunderstood even though these people were trying to be kind and trying to welcome me in their family, there was a disconnect that I really couldn't understand. And I still to this day don't understand why it was so painful for me. Um, but I started restricting as a way of controlling. Um, and then one day I started binging. And that kind of what I thought my disease was for a long time. I thought it was just binging. Um, because the binging was pretty obvious. There was not a lot, there was not a lot of room for me to, um, deny the binges. And so pretty much as soon as I started binging, um, I started to try and stop binging, which involved more restriction. Um, and it involved lots of different kinds of therapy. It involved lots of different ways of trying to control my food, um, it involved the quote-unquote geographic solution that folks talk about and it talks about in the big book where I moved a bunch of different places and every place I moved, I thought, all right, this is the place where I won't binge. And eventually I found OA um, and pretty quickly my life started to get a lot better, but I didn't get abstinent right away. Um, it took me several attempts at the steps and a couple of different sponsors to um, get through the steps and to get to step nine. So I'm going to go ahead and start talking about step nine a little bit as well. Because I did step nine entirely during the pandemic. I did it from um, my ex-boyfriend's closet in a 400 square foot studio apartment. The closet was the only place in the apartment besides the bathroom that had a door. And so I could make my video calls to people to make amends um, in private there. And the amends that I was most apprehensive of was the amend to the host family that I had lived with because I had stolen their food. I had, I had binged on their food a lot. And so I needed to make an amend to them. That was a pretty, pretty cut and dried, clear amend that I needed to make. Um, it was the one I was most apprehensive about. And the amazing thing is so I, I spoke with my sponsor about it. I made a clear plan about what I was going to say. And it wasn't the first amend that I did. Um, I did some of the easier ones with folks who already kind of knew, um, about my disease and just folks that I felt like I had an easy open relationship with that I could have these kinds of conversations with. So I kind of got used to the process that way. And then um, I became willing to make this amends, which was for me my most scary amends. So I called this family, um, the mother in particular, um, on the phone on WhatsApp and was trying to use my rusty Spanish to make an amends. And I was, I was dreading it because I thought, how am I possibly going to explain what I did in 
a language that I can't speak that well um, and to someone who in the first place, like the whole problem was that she doesn't understand me and we can't communicate well. And the most amazing thing that happened was that um, I started explaining, apologizing for binging on her food and, and saying as best I could articulate, you know, when I start eating sometimes, like I just can't stop, like it's out of my control. And she goes, instantly goes, oh, like, like an alcoholic. And it just, I mean, it was incredible because she understood, understood immediately um, in a way that like I felt more understood than I had by, by so many other people who, who, under, who I thought understood me. She instantly got it. And that was just an incredible experience for me because um, all of my preconceived notions about the way that I was understood and whether I was being seen were totally lifted. And so I guess that's an example of one of the amends that I've made that, oh, shoot, my Zoom just crashed, but I think you probably can still hear me since I'm on my phone, so I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, we can still um, hear you. Okay, great. I can't see any of you, but I'm glad I'm I'm very glad I'm called in. Um, so that for me was an example of an amends. It was it was sort of a, at least for me emotionally, it felt like a dramatic amends. It felt like this beautiful experience, and my resentment to this day is totally lifted. Um, has been totally lifted towards that family. But that is not how all of my amends went. And I also made amends. Um, for example, one amends was to my mom. And I apologized to her for the way that I had been, how rudely and defensively. Lane, you just got muted. Are you able to unmute? Hello? Okay, we can hear you now. And, uh, Thank and you so much. That's your 10 minutes, Lane. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so much for bearing with me, everyone. Um. Okay, so that was an example of an amends that was just like beautiful, lifted. I really felt the promises. I had a little bit of a of a pink pink cloud where I it was something I had. For example, you know, in the promises where it talks about we won't regret the past or wish to change it, and that was it was an experience that I had so much regret about, and that was completely lifted. Um, some of my other amends didn't weren't exact quite the same. So I, I made an amends to my mom um, for just the way that I had been treating her, my reactivity and defensiveness to her. And before I made that amends, I did work through my four-step inventory towards her and had had a lot of resentment lifted. And I made the amends and that went well. Um, but it was not a situation where it lasted forever. It was not a situation where I 
then never felt the resentment again. Um, and it's actually been something that has come up a lot recently. And I recently in March, actually, I was visiting my family and I was feeling so much resentment and um, blockage towards my mom. And I knew that I hadn't been, it kind of became clear to me how much my uh, attitude towards her had been hurting her um, and how much I'd been cutting her out and shutting her down. And I, I apologized to her. I apologized to her for the way that I had been treating her. And that was helpful. It was helpful because it opened a conversation between us. And I do think it repaired some harms. However, it did not, it did not last. Um, And part of the reason it did not last is because I hadn't worked through the resentment towards her fully before making that amend. And I recently, I I kind of ended up doing it in reverse. Um, And so after I made that apology to her, I went back and did a resentment inventory because I, towards her, another deep one. I, like I said, I'd done one in the fourth step, but it was still coming up. And so I, um, I apologized to her and then I went back and did the resentment inventory because the piece, the real piece of the amends, there was not just the apology, but it was the living amends of how I treat my mom on a day-to-day basis. And that required me, that requires me, unfortunately, not to do one resentment inventory towards her. But honestly, the only way for me to do that is to do a resentment inventory every time I have those feelings come up, that like resentment feeling come up. Um, Whereas with my, you know, the kind of more beautiful one and done amends towards um, my host family. You know, I, I was able to get them some money to compensate them for the, the food that I'd stolen and binged on. I was able to have this apology and we check in on the phone every once in a while, but it's not, um, it's, it's not this continued process in the way that so many of my amends have ended up being needing to be living amends. Um, but I, I, I'm not trying to, I don't, I'm not really at a place where I feel that the amends that I made towards my mom, the recent ones where I wasn't really ready, it didn't cause harm. Sometimes amends can cause harm, but it didn't cause harm. I think going forward, I would, um, do the resentment inventory, turn it over to my sponsor, go through the process in that way. Um, but I think this, that gets to my point about um, the, what I what I said that I might might get to and talk about during this share about um, not the the imperfection because at least for me when I went through to do my amends I wanted to get it so perfect because it's just not sometimes it's just not clear at least to me it was just not clear do I owe this person amends an amends or do I not. And I, first of all, worked, spoke, spoke about that with my sponsor and we made that determination together. Um, but second of all, 
there there is at least for me in my experience an element of sometimes I make my best guess and I go into it with um the motive to be kind and to repair any harm that I've done and I had amends five minutes thank you I had amends that I made like for my sister to example where she was like I don't want to hear like you do not owe me amends and and amends and she honestly even said it it worries me that you're making an amends because I don't want to about this because I don't want um you to be you know kind of going back and beating yourself up about these things which which I wasn't doing um but that happened on the other hand I had other amends that I thought oh maybe I don't owe these amends and my sponsor and I decided that I should make them and the person was incredibly grateful um that I had made them and I'm sure that there are people that I've hurt in my life that I don't know about and it's just not possible, even with a sponsor, even with my connection to my higher power, to know the perfect way um, and the perfect amend to make. And so while I, I am definitely a proponent of speaking with a sponsor, speaking with my higher power, preparing, writing out these amends, also, I've had to accept that there is some imperfection involved. Um, and I guess since I have time, a couple of other examples or things that I wanted to touch on were other ways in which I've continued to make amends in my life. Um, because I do think that the way that I made my original amends helped set me up to sustainably continue to make amends and to, um, so a couple examples. One is I um, several of the people I originally made amends to were people that I had stolen food from and binged on. And then I had a roommate who, and I started drinking her tea. And I, I thought that she had said it was okay or maybe I thought it was my other roommate's tea who said it was okay. Doesn't really matter because it became clear that she was really, she was not okay with it. And she didn't know who had drank her tea and it would have been really easy to just not say anything. Um, but it was something that I needed to say, even though luckily it was, it was tea. I wasn't stealing her food, but um, it was still something that I really needed to be honest about to her, particularly because even though it's tea, having it be food adjacent and adjacent to those behaviors that were really a hallmark of my disease was really important for me to say, hey, I did this. I'm sorry. I'll replace it. Um, another, I think, just example I wanted to provide that shows the, at least to me, kind of the, the nuance and the you can't always get it right um, aspect of the, of, of the amends, um, or at least not, not that you can't always get it right, but that there's a element of just making your best judgment call um, is in the area of gossip. And I'm fortunate to have an amazing um, 11 step partner who I have learned a lot about um, addressing, uh, addressing the harms of gossip from. And this is not something that I actually really saw in my initial amends. 
Um, but I've since in my nightly reviews often see, oh, I really was relishing in this gossip or maybe I was stirring up gossip. And that is one of those where it's often really unclear, especially if other people, if other people are really engaged and loving the gossip and I'm just sort of contributing, what, what is my role? Have I caused harm, harm to other people by kind of bringing negative energy in? And I would say often I do not apologize for gossip. It does not always feel appropriate. Um, though I do. Thank you. But there have been situations in which it has, I have apologized for gossiping. Um, and I have, people have thanked me. People have, those are scenarios where I would have thought somebody would say, oh, no, that's no, whatever, don't worry about it. But actually, that was a scenario in which someone said, I, you know, I do appreciate that um, and kind of validated that, not, not in an accusatory way, but validated that instinct that I had caused some harm in that scenario. Um, so anyway, I, I will close it out in a moment here. I appreciate you all so much for being here and for bearing with me with these audio issues um, and this somewhat disjointed share, but I really appreciate the opportunity to think about my ninth step process and how beautiful the feeling of those promises coming true were, and then also the next step of continuing to at least striving to kind of live out and bring them in process as part of my, my daily living and practice. So thank you all. Thank you, Lane. Thank you so much for your share. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. And again, that's step nine. We ask that you accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or press star nine if you're on the phone. And the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask that you unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time's up? The speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. All right, who would like to share first? Victoria, go ahead. Sorry, I muted myself as soon as I got unmuted. Um, hey, everybody, I'm Victoria. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thanks for everybody who's doing service at this meeting. Um, I, I'm just really appreciative of this message collectively, but also um, also for the reminder that while it's great that we're studying these steps, it's great that we're like looking in depth and that you can find, you know, 20 million resources on each of these steps and, and 20 million versions of people's experiences that also we had a great reminder tonight that like it doesn't have to be perfect because we are 
learning, like when we do step nine, we're learning how to continue to do step nine for, you know, forever, <laughs> you know, as part of step 10. Um, and I just really appreciated that window that like, yeah, it's important to think about how this is. It's important to also, yes, to discussing amends, um, what, what we think we should say, what we think we may know an amends for or may not with somebody else um, who has recovery that we value in this program, like a sponsor or someone else that's trusted because Sometimes I think that what I didn't, what I did was like not that big of a deal and other people are too sensitive and they need to get over it and blah, 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 blah. And like, maybe I do need to look at that. But then also something I've noticed and something I've noticed a lot with people I work with is that sometimes I can think I am so powerful and that anything that I was even remotely connected to that somebody else became upset about, I owe them an amends. And that's just not true. Um, I'm not powerful enough to control the emotions of all the other people, right? And so just because someone's upset, I worked with somebody who was like, oh, I need to make amends to my sister because she's upset with me. Okay, why? What did you do? Well, I didn't do what she wanted. I'm like, okay, I'm going to need more details. And it's like, oh, so you had a difference of opinion and you stuck and you honored what you felt like was the right thing to do. Okay, yeah, you didn't cause her harm. She's just upset. So I think it's really important that we have ego reduction in both directions. Um, and I just really appreciated the reminder of all of those things today. So I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Victoria. And go ahead, Kaylee. Hi, everyone. I'm Kaylee, compulsive overeater, restrictor, and bulimic. Thank you, Lane, for your share. I was so excited to see that you were speaking tonight. Um, and I love, I mean, I resonated with so much, but one of the things that's coming up in this moment is just that, yeah, some amends, I'm going through my steps again, but my first time through the big book, some of my amends, I felt the promises and it was lifted and it was so beautiful. And um, that was usually with people that I'm probably never going to see again. <laughs> and then the people that I am interacting with every day who are the closest to me, that's where the continual work comes in. So I really loved your example with your mom. And, and also your whole process with it, that it was imperfect, but that you were able to go back and say, oh, I need to actually do a resentment inventory on this. And yeah, I, you know, I'm doing the steps again because I came back from relapse and I stopped doing, you know, tenths and things like that. And then I am so, I'm actually incredibly grateful now to be going through the steps again because there's just a deeper layer and it's like I'm having this new experience and I have to remember that once I go through these 12 steps it's not over that I this is a process that we continue for you know or at least for me my my lifetime um, and I don't need to focus on you know a year from now I just need to be present with my work today um, but yeah, I just really, I loved your share and I loved the reminder of imperfection because that is definitely 
you know, something that I can struggle with, even as I'm doing my fourth step right now to, of like, I need to get everything out and it needs to be perfect. And the reality is like, my sponsor reminds me, that's why we have 10 steps. So, and that's why we have, you know, if at any point we can go deeper with this work. So thank you so much for that reminder. And I'm so grateful to be here with you all. Thank you, Kaylee. And next up, we have Francesca. Thanks, Jim. Um, Francesca, compulsive overeater and bulimic, um, living in New Jersey. Um, Lane, thank you so much for your share tonight. And thank you, Yvonne and Jim, for doing service. Um, I love this meeting. So thank you for keeping it going. Um, Lane, I can relate to so much of what you said, even just down to the little details, like both of us doing the ninth step for the first time during COVID. Um, I also did a lot of FaceTimes during that time when I did my ninth step. Um, and I really like what you said about how, you know, the, the amends, there were some amends that were easier for you to do. Um, that you got out of the way first. And I think I did the same thing um, when it came to really close friends that knew I was in program um, and people that knew I made mistakes. Like I was open with them. They knew I made mistakes. I was reactionary. So they know I'm not this perfect person. But the ones that were the hardest, some of them, the amends that I made were people that didn't know I made mistakes. So similar to your experience with the people that you were living with, it was like they they almost thought it sounded like they thought you were this perfect person. Um, and upholding that image was so important to me towards certain people. So coming to people and trying to tell them, oh, I actually made a mistake. I'm not this perfect person. You know, there was this fear of, you know, people are going to label me as this certain type of a liar, whatever it may be. And that's now who I am instead of the perfect person. Um, but when people reacted in a loving, understanding way, not labeling me as something it felt great. And as other people said, not to cross talk, but I did feel the promises. But people that did not react in that way, it was obviously harder because now I'm stuck with, oh, now they're labeling me as what I thought. And that's why I was scared of even doing this amends or admitting my wrong in the first place. Um, so that was something I struggled with and I had to come to terms with, you know, not I'm not perfect. And, you know, if people are going to label me or judge me as something like I get my worth from my higher power and like I know who I am at my core. I'm not just, you know, labeled by one single thing. So that really helped me um, in working my steps. And I just really appreciate that reminder that I'm not perfect. I don't have to be. That doesn't make me bad. That doesn't make me a liar. It doesn't make me anything. Um, so thanks for your share. And I really appreciate it. With that, I will pass. Thanks, Francesca. And next up, we have Nancy P. Hi, um, everybody. Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you for your service, Jim and Devon. Um, so my experience with the ninth step is that what I've been trying to do, what I had been trying to do and continue to try to do is I'm um, ever watchful to make sure that what I'm doing is keeping me on the road to find more spiritual wakefulness. And the only way that I know how to do that is um, to surrender first and see what happens. 
And um, my, of course, my instinct is to do, 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 and be, be, you know, busy, 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 and, you know, make things happen. And um, that didn't work for me. Like that was not a success in my life. I was not successful in the way that I wanted to be as a human being. And um, when I, you know, I do the fourth step so that I can get to the ninth step. That's the only reason. I mean, the fourth step is for me was just to organize my thinking, you know, it was the wind up and the fifth step was the pitch. And, you know, when I get to step nine, I by no means have, am done. Um, you know, I just was talking to the on the phone with someone tonight who's, you know, was bent out of shape about something. And I said, you know, we don't wish to forget the past nor, nor shut the door on or whatever the expression is. You know, I love my past. And, um, you know, I've been thrown out of somebody's office, figuratively speaking. They weren't interested in what I had to say. And I never think about that person, rarely, um, almost at all, unless I say about it in the meetings, tell about it in a meeting or something. And, um, but what I, what I love about the amends process is that there, it teaches me. I mean, cause I still don't know. My default position is angry, restless, irritable, and discontented. Just mad. It's the best, that was the best I could do before I recovered is just not to be too aggravated. And today my life is filled with joy and light. Every breath that I take is just joyful. And um, even when it sucks in my life, which it often does because nobody cares what I think and nobody does what I say ever. But, um, you know, still it's filled with joy and light. And the people I see now that um, everybody's reaction to me is something that I can learn from. And the great news about, you know, all the promises have come true for me without exception, all of them. And, um, but what I see now, you know, I'm, I do the steps over and over and over again. Um, but what I see now is that the ninth step is the beginning of me attracting people the way that I want to be attractive. They don't, they don't they're not shoved into a room with me and locked in there or stumble over me as I'm, you know, because I've made all this mess, you know. Um, I get really positive feedback most of the time. And when I don't, um, not that I got bad feedback, but something happened and someone said, I hate this about you. Uh, you don't mind if I tell you that, do you? And I was like, no, I don't, even though I did because it wasn't very nice. Um, but you know, all that's learning. That's all data that I crunch in my brain, my computer brain, and I learn oh, from it. You. Thank you. And um, yeah, I think that the ninth step is um, the end of the beginning. And, um, but it would be enough if that's all I ever got. But of course I got so much more and that I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. And uh, I don't see any other hands. I'll, I'll top in and share. Hey everyone, I'm Jim and I'm a, uh, recovering food addict. Um, thanks so much, Lane. Yeah, I've really never heard a perspective like this exactly on the ninth step. And it, it just was really, um, really spoke to me, spoke to my heart. So thank you. 
I mean, I think I almost like I can apply my addictive thinking to the steps and feel like the steps still kind of work, even if I do. But I, I think I go into step nine or when I applying that addictive thinking with this perfectionistic lens of like, I screwed this up. I need to perfectly clean it up. And it's either like I nail this amends and everything's right. And then I can walk free for the rest of my life or I screw it up and I'm screwed for the rest of my life. And everything I just said is just zero reliance on a higher power. It makes me really stressed and really intense. And, and in praying with step eight and asking for willingness, like some of my amends have just taken a totally different form. Like there was all this stuff I thought I had to say to my mom. And ultimately what I said was just like, I'm sorry for being so judgmental of you and uptight and she was kind of like thank you and i was like well i guess i actually was judgmental and uptight but now the task is like for the rest of my life with her that's it's like a humbling thing and i just appreciate your share because it's reminding me of like oh i think like i'm not going to live that perfectly but i can i can strive to live with more compassion and more understanding um, and less judgment, you know? Um, so anyway, it's like just imperfection is a reality of life. And I think my grandiosity makes me think I can live without it. And, um, I don't know, just the way you shared felt really grounding and centering and, um, and also like the, I don't know, step nine and 10 are there for a reason. Like I, I'm someone who can be very conflict or risk adverse. And so it's like, if I'm making a few amends in my week, that's maybe a good thing because I'm maybe taking some healthy risks. Um, and like, I, you know, I guess I'm just reflecting that I can make a mistake and then clean it up, you know, and that's okay. And that's okay. Um, but anyway, thanks for your share. I'll pass. All right, and we will now stop the recording. Um, it's 8.47, and we have about 10 minutes.